somebody once told me the world is gonna throw me. I shot this girl in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her. And something the shape of an L on Earth 4. Sorry About the Mess Studios presents The Jedi Steps with your hosts, Stefan Bell and Michael Crable. And welcome back to The Jedi Steps for May 9th, 2017. We currently have 219 days until Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi, hits theaters. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's so nice to be back, actually, with a co-host this week. Uh, it went solo last week for a nice quick show, um, but it was uh, it's always good to have someone to bounce ideas off of, play back and forth with. So without any further ado, I'm going to bring on my co-host, Mr. Michael Crable. How are we doing this week, Michael? Hey, Stephanie, thanks for welcoming me back to the 36th episode of The Jedi Steps, like you mentioned on this May 9th. And thank you for recognizing the true talent of this show, which <laughs> you didn't have to say it, it was already unspoken, but the I fact you're bringing on the op- open here, I, yes, mm-hmm. I, I really am that awesome, and I <laughs> elevate the content here. As I say jokingly, my exactly. nose is growing. You know, that's why I played that uh, little clip at the beginning. It was for you, saying that you are the all-star of this uh, show. <laughs> it's, it's just about time that I get the recognition I deserve. Which, by the way, how fun is that? You had, you had sent that to me earlier today, and I, I watched it after I got out of work, and it just put a smile on my face. Like, mm-hmm. that's some serious editing. Like, that is some serious editing. And I was quite impressed. It, it's pretty cool, especially the R2 ending. Mm-hmm. That pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, honestly, I thought it was too. Um, it's it's kind of interesting. I just learned a little bit about how they do that kind of thing, at least for live TV. I don't know if it's different for this. They probably have similar uh, concepts. They actually uh, have some sort of software that scans the closed captioning of like news clips and things like that to pull these sorts of things. They just search for a term. So I assume that they probably just plugged in the subtitles of the movies to get, uh, you know, all these words pulled together because they pulled stuff from, I believe all of the films. Most of them were the originals, but there was stuff from, I think each of the prequels and rogue one. Oh yes. So absolutely. Uh, all episodes one, two and three for, mm-hmm. for sure. And episode seven as well. Yeah. It was uh, pretty impressive. All eight movies were represented in that little clip. So fun little thing that was released uh, by the tonight show on uh, May the 4th. So for star Wars day, that was a lot of fun. Um, it's nice to know that, you know, people are actually kind of getting on board with this holiday since, you know, the resurgence of star Wars has been, uh, you know, running strong, for the past few years, it's always fun to see yeah, what other people will do to contribute. Yes, exactly. 
that we're back to that point because it actually matters now. Mm-hmm. That's how I would put it. And you know, as I've been looking back at the news this past week, they do you know, have a lot of stories that you know drop on May the fourth, and you know, we'll talk about one here that I'm like, you know, I don't know if that would have happened five years ago, mm-hmm. but now that the movies are, are back here. It is kind of, you know, it's a small thing that we can look forward to. It's They're not going to drop some big news of, like, shocking new title for, un, like, uh, for the second standalone yeah. or third third spinoff film. They're not going to do something like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, when it comes to fans, little Easter eggs, little surprises here and there, that's exactly what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think they've been pulling it off just fine. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, I may have mentioned it last week, but May the 4th has always kind of been historically like a fan-driven holiday um it's not mm-hmm. been something that the lucasfilm kind of embraces internally they'll acknowledge it and they'll you know maybe throw out a couple of things here and there but it's always been you know primarily fan-driven but when you get things like this from the tonight show um it really kind of legitimizes the the quote-unquote fan holiday um and especially you know getting things like our first story today uh ryan johnson tweeted out from the uh, main Star Wars uh, Twitter account a uh, quick little video that has uh, some fun surprises in it. So uh, why don't we play that and then uh, chat about it for a couple of seconds. Hey, this is Ryan Johnson, writer and director of uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and I'm here with someone you might know. Hello, John. Hello. Uh, have you got anything to say to everybody on this 4th of May? Well, I will say, may the 4th be with you. Okay, back to work. Back to work. Okay, so there really wasn't, you know, a whole lot there, but it's fun to see two different things. One, Ryan Johnson, you know, acknowledging the fan base. Um, something that's a lot of fun to see that happen. Um, you know, especially since, uh, you know, he, he spent the time going through the line at Celebration before the Last Jedi panel. Um, he seems to be, you know, completely down with the fan base, a good uh, person to kind of, you know, jump around with all of this. Um, but on top of that, we got a, a quick little hello from uh, the Meister himself, John Williams, um, which was a lot of fun. It's nice to see him, you know, kind of engaging with people. But even on top of that, this is, uh, you know, solid confirmation that they are working on the score for uh, The Last Jedi as we speak. Um, so typically that's kind of like towards the end of the editing process them getting the music ready to go and uh slipped in there i know that um they've been kind of working together throughout the editing process of you know uh using william scores for temp tracks to kind of give it the same kind of feel while working with that own artist's um kind of you know range uh but i think this is you know confirmation in my mind that they're actually working on the script and that this movie is getting pretty close to being finished uh even though we're you know what seven months away from it being released actually it's wrong i have a secret source this and and they confirmed that this this tweet out the movie's actually dropping this friday (laughs) you just don't know it yet yeah that's exactly wouldn't that be a surprise yeah, throw me in the throw me in the loop of the people that Ahsoka's no, she's still not dead. Uh, <laughs> so this is awesome. Yeah, it's so it's brief. It's not too much. There's nothing really to overanalyze. It mm-hmm. just says that there is a concerted effort uh, amongst the people at Disney and Lucasfilm to put something together like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there was an effort when you're you're getting uh, John Williams involved and in saying hit your mark when I turn around. I don't. I want to know how many times they actually filmed that. Mm-hmm. I can't say film it, but. I want to. I want to know more of like 
So Ryan Johnson, did he get like the best selfie camera he could find, the most megapixels or whatever? Was he using the new Samsung phone, which actually has the first front-facing camera that has autofocus? Like, I'm, I'm just curious as a director for a big budget film, and you're making something on this really this camera phone. I, I'm just, you know, maybe that's my nerd in me with when it comes to technology. But mm-hmm. when I look at at this, it's so cool to see the dedication from John Williams, and we'll discuss that a little bit later, but. It's a subtle reminder, like you had said, that guess what, guys? Episode 8 is happening, too, and that's coming sooner than you know. Mm-hmm. It is. It's really kind of fun, um, you know, knowing that all of these are being made right now. Um, you know, we talked about this on the show before, but uh, you know, the lead up to the films, the anticipation, the, you know, scrounging for information, just, you know, kind of being able to mark, hey, we're, we're at this point in the process. That's always been a really fun part of the the whole process of these movies coming out um and something that i've enjoyed you know doing for the last two years is just constantly watching the the production process which is fantastic um you know it, it segues really nicely that we had uh that little clip from ryan johnson and john williams uh just a moment ago and uh there is a a nice little interview that uh was released on making star not sorry not making star wars star wars newsnet.com um entitled john williams uh details behind creating a score and the magic dust of star wars um this interview was uh conducted with uh joanne kane music um some people that have you know worked with williams in the past uh but anyways um to just kind of you know jump in with this uh michael did you read the article oh yes this is quite the thing. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not getting it quite from the horse's mouth, you're getting it from a guy who is like, hey, you've worked with him for 20 plus years on all the prequels, mm-hmm. including episode seven. So who would not know more about this? And it's someone who passes along and who may occasionally has to make decisions on which we mentioned he, which uh, woodwinds get the, which, you know, parts or mm-hmm. assigning the particular woodwind based on what he's interpreting the piece to be yeah. very technical when it comes to the, the musical aspect, but someone, when both of us were in, in band at some point, I mean, I was in a collegiate band. Uh, so like understanding this type of terminology and, and what they're using, it might be over some people. And clearly this is not for everyone. Not everyone's going to get geeked out over this type mm-hmm. of article, but for those who, I would say who could care less about how a score comes into motion. What I want to say is that for anyone who is, you know, take gone and and listen to any sort of film score, you know, any all of us have have heard it in, in films. Think of your favorite movies. I don't know if you could recognize certain certain scores to to film, but I think Star Wars probably takes the cake. Other than if you want to put next to the sound of music for the most recognizable film score or like music to go along or that accompanies a film in film and cinematic history. Mm -hmm. And what you basically come to find out is that yes, this article is quite lengthy, but it just shows you how much detail they put in and how much he writes. He still hands hand writes it. And the fact that he is such a brilliant composer that the fact that you can even ask the question, the score is leading up to a twist. Like you can just, it, you can tell when a twist is coming mm-hmm. just based on music. Like you can tell heightened situations or when there's tension just based on whether the, you know, this particular piece is in a minor key or whatever. But what you can say specifically, ah, oh, here's a plot twist. I, I think that just points to the fact that the score is alive. It's a living entity within the film. Yeah. And there is an incredible amount of care 
that John Williams puts into his scores, especially when it comes to Star Wars. For anyone who wants to belittle The Force Awakens, you have to go back and listen to one. You actually have to listen to the score and then listen to it in its relation to the movie. Mm -hmm. And if anyone hasn't listened to uh, Star Wars Oxygen from Rebel Force Radio with David Collins, I highly encourage you to do so. And many of which, when when David has talked to the guys, or talked, is it Jason or Jimmy? that Uh, Jimmy's the one that usually uh, co-pilots that. Gotcha. Like when they've mentioned how much detail that he puts in in the past, this article is just reaffirming all of mm-hmm. that, but it's coming from a different source, which to me is even more impressive of how much there's a correlation and a consistency uh, with the respect that is given to John Williams, mm-hmm. and I, I think he absolutely deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, it is kind of interesting seeing all this from a slightly different perspective that doesn't really get the spotlight very often. Um, you know, people have a hard time, or at least most people anyways, narcissists, maybe not so much, but <laughs> generally people have uh, a hard time talking about themselves um, and being able to kind of, you know, uh, be objective about their own work. But, um, you know, these are people who have worked with a man for decades um, and preparing the music and, uh, you know, working on uh, various aspects with it. Um, which is really kind of interesting, and I would really encourage anyone who who's interested in uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff of the, the music specifically to uh, go out and read this interview. I would like to make one quick correction, though. Um, I mentioned this was uh, from Star Wars Newsnet. Um, that's where we, you know, kind of found out about this, um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're using as our, our crib sheet for the, uh, for the article. Um, this is actually originally from um, finalemusic.com. The, the title of the article is May the Fourth Spotlight on Joanne Kane Music. Um, this was uh, conducted with the owner of uh, Joanne Kane Music, uh, Mark Graham. Um, so that's the full interview is over there. I would highly encourage anyone to go take a look and uh, kind of see how the sausage gets made. But there's really, you know, you can't say enough about the the scores of John Williams, whether they're from you know uh, the Star Wars films to Indiana Jones, Jaws, uh, Saving Private Ryan. I mean, like uh, they're they're all over the place. This guy has done um, the lion's share of the most iconic film scores over the last fifty years. Um, so that you know, if you haven't paid much attention to him, because but I don't know, you know who hasn't who's listening to this um definitely go check stuff out uh, he's a fast fascinating guy but yes and uh, and shout out to one of the more unknown scores just listen to the mm-hmm. first track of munich and you'll be hooked that's all i uh-huh. say there's a lot of great stuff you know mm-hmm. his sci-fi stuff is you know kind of what he's known for um sure. being the star wars uh, material but you know he's done a lot of fantastic war music um you know, partnering with Steven Spielberg for many of his films, he's done a lot of fantastic stuff. So, you know, go check out his entire catalog. It's just great. Can't say enough about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, kind of transitioning from there, there's no real good way other than saying, um, you know, John Williams is the composer of Episode 7 and Episode 8, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, um, he'll be the direct, uh, director, uh, composer of Episode 9, and maybe films for uh the next you know 100 years to come who knows um but the last jedi is what he's working on right now we actually do know a little bit of uh details about 
the last jedi and how it was filmed uh we've seen some behind the scenes photos of imax cameras being used on set uh ryan johnson has confirmed that there will be sequences shot in imax 70 millimeter um but now we're getting um a, a couple of glimpses at what may be uh, shot for IMAX within this movie. Um, over the weekend, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 uh, debuted, uh, and attached to that movie was The Last Jedi trailer in IMAX. Um, it wasn't... Michael, that wasn't in our showing for Guardians, was it? I was very disappointed, because we could have traded five <laughs> crappy ones uh, for one good one, and that would have been The Last Jedi. I, I was under the impression when I read a story about a week ago that mm-hmm. they were going to be airing it all in front of Guardians. That apparently was not the case. That's what I was thinking, too, and I'm actually very surprised that uh, we didn't see it. Maybe it was you know an IMAX exclusive for a short period of time. But, uh, yeah, that was very surprising to me. But anyways, regardless, it is seeing uh, some some screen time in IMAX. Um, and, uh, you know, Star Wars Newsnet, uh, they're a good source for us here. Good, uh, you know, uh, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not escalator. <laughs> um, aggregator of... Uh, aggregator, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how you would have been able to get it from Escalator. <laughs> that didn't make any sense mm-hmm. at all. Um, anyways, a uh, big aggregator of Star Wars news. Um, they actually have an article put up that includes some GIFs of uh, the trailer being shown in IMAX. Technically, this is piracy to a certain degree. Um, someone snuck their phone in and uh, you know started recording the, the IMAX trailer uh, while they were sitting in the theater. But um, it is pretty informative for us to kind of get some ideas of what we'll be seeing uh, mm-hmm. as far as IMAX shots goes. Um, just name a few. Uh, a lot of the, the wide panning shots of Luke's Island appear to be uh, IMAX cameras, um, you know, panning up from the water, looking at the island, zooming around the island, seeing ray training. Um, those both appear to be IMAX cameras, the the sequence on, I believe the planet's name is Crate, uh, that kind of salt flats world with the red dust um, being shot up, uh, that appears to be an IMAX sequence as well. Um, Luke, uh, you know, falling on his knees, seeing the, the Jedi Temple burning, that also appears to be an IMAX uh, shot. So, uh, if this trailer has any kind of bearing on how much of the film we'll be seeing in this 70 millimeter format um that appears to be a, a good percentage um mm-hmm. which is kind of uh, fun to to see that uh i know you know we've seen the last no actually it was only the force awakens that we went and saw in imax um, we never saw rogue one in that format but i'm definitely you know planning on seeing it uh the last Jedi, rather, in IMAX uh, when it comes out. Maybe not IMAX 3D. The 3D just isn't really a, a big pull for me anymore. But, uh, you know, seeing it on those huge screens, um, great sound system, uh, it just makes the whole thing an event. Michael, any thoughts on this? Yeah. First, it just makes you want the whole movie to be shot in that. But the fact yeah. that there's only a handful of these cameras in the world and it costs a lot of money, mm-hmm. uh, it'll almost be worth the price of admission. But... You know, you, what you see a theme here is that some of the, I mean, the aspect ratio is changing, uh, and 
And with this, the wider scoping shots that are supposed to take in more, they're supposed to draw your attention to the whole scope, not a particular spot in a scene. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that in this trailer, it seems as if they're they're grabbing your attention and, and it basically, you know, as a filmmaker and a cinematographer, they're going to ask for, it's like a painting. Does a painting want you to look at everything in it or something specific with its surroundings? Like, yeah. And I don't know how to necessarily articulate that any better. I know much people, more, much more people can. But that's that's the whole goal, and, and it sounds like they're gonna be using more shots. That's cool. Mm-hmm. If you don't see it in IMAX, you really won't know the difference. Oh yeah. Uh, but we're uh, just getting to a point that if we do see it in IMAX, which we are going to see it in IMAX, uh, <laughs> I don't know that the first time we would be paying attention because we're gonna be so engrossed in the movie. Oh yeah. But from a technical standpoint, we're headed in the right direction where more and more films are, are using more IMAX um, cam- capturing technology, mm-hmm. which will only add more clarity to a picture and add a more much more broad scale, which is good news because you go to IMAX, you want to be immersed in the film. Yeah. So that's the whole point anyway. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, we, we are really seeing this kind of uh, global trend um, in media to higher and higher resolutions. Um, it's been kind of fun to see the progression of that through the years. You think maybe... You know, even 10 years ago, um, Blu-ray was just kind of an emerging format. Um, HD, you know, screens um, for your home theater were, you know, pretty expensive. Not a whole lot of people had them. Now, you know, 1080p is, like, basically slumming it. Uh, If you go to a resolution that low, things are uh, starting kind of to get the reputation of not being quite as good. Um, I still think they look fantastic, you know, being on the right display, but now we're seeing, you know, 2K, 4K videos um, popping up, even on YouTube, you know, uh, Ultra HD Blu-rays showing up. So these high-quality, high-resolution displays and uh, formats are really uh, trying to gain a foothold, and I think that uh, there'll only be more of that in the future, so... Uh, you know, making Star Wars films in formats that uh, can be shown in a resolution like that, um, I think is a, a great thing and uh, a good bit of foresight uh, because, you know, it's only the way of the future. Um, I, I appreciate that they're they're making an effort to, to give us the, the best quality picture they possibly can. For sure. Mm-hmm. And in those quality pictures, we are definitely going to be seeing a lot of new stuff uh, coming up of, you know, these movies. We just uh, talked a little bit about the trailer. Um, We have, you know, our full, gosh, what was it, an hour and a half breakdown of that two-minute teaser uh, from about a month ago. Uh, You guys can go and listen to. Uh, And we saw a lot of new stuff in there. We saw, you know, uh, a new ship that's, you know, dragging uh, some sort of probe on uh, crate. We've seen, um, you know, Finn in some new garb, uh, Luke in some new clothing, but we're going to be seeing a lot more new stuff, obviously, because we've only mm-hmm. seen uh, a small percentage of, of the, the finished film. One of those pieces of uh, new design that we're going to be seeing is uh, a new ship for Kylo Ren. He's going to have uh, his own custom TIE fighter. Uh, we may have reported on this a few weeks back. There was a story from MakingStarWars.net that uh, briefly described a, a new ship for Kylo. It was said to be something of uh, a hybrid between Vader's TIE Advance or a TIE Bomber and uh, a TIE Interceptor. 
Um, now, this past week, there has been a leaked image of uh, this ship. Now, it's shown from uh, an odd angle, so we can't get a good look at the cockpit or, you know, right. the, the arrangement of much of it. It's really mostly uh, a, a small section of the, the top of the ship and uh, the wings. But, uh, you know, from what we're seeing, it's uh, thematically appropriate to the First Order uh, ties. It's got that same kind of uh, black and white motif with the, the, the white panels being uh, around the wings. Um, wing shape is very reminiscent of the TIE Interceptor, um, except a little more uh, squashed and stretched out, you could say. Um, and the body looks very similar to a uh, TIE Advance. Um, so, yeah, it seems like the, the you know, making Star Wars reports are once again accurate. Uh, Michael, any thoughts on the design of this ship? Yeah, it just definitely looks like a difference between like Darth Vader's tie and the, the tie interceptor from, you know, the Legends canon. And I'm like, okay. And that I, was in Return I, of the Jedi. And the tie interceptors? Yeah. You can see him in the battle against the uh, second Death Star. What am I thinking of? I'm not thinking of TIE Interceptors. Yeah, I mean, I am thinking TIE Interceptors. Excuse me. Return of the, of course, they're Return of the Jedi. I'm thinking of another... I can't remember. The Phantom Ties or the TIE... Oh, um, there were a whole slew of them from the EU. I know. know. And it looks more like the ones from... I don't know, man. I, I, I can't... Yeah, it's so triggering something yeah. in your mind about that. <laughs> yeah. I, it's from one of the Rogue Squadron games. And uh, mm. my apologies. But, yeah, this does look like a hybrid... It's not completely outlandish. Like, why can't they just go for it with when it comes to ship design? I have no idea. So, well, I am really curious the look of this Super Star Destroyer more than anything that Snoke was supposed to be rumored to have. Yeah. Like, if that thing looks like Executor but just, like, its cousin, like, I'm going to go, seriously? <laughs> seriously? I, I, that's that's where, for me, all the design and all the, the settings we've seen, to me, in the marketing... Points to the fact that this is like a copycat of Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have people vehemently opposed, including yeah. the writer and director, Ryan Johnson, saying, um, okay, bite me, is basically what he is saying mm -hmm. through Twitter. I will, Then can you please present evidence to the contrary? And there hasn't been yet. Oh, if there has being been objective, plenty of evidence. If you just look I, yes, at the trailer, being... there's plenty of visual evidence to, to say the contrary. We don't even know the story yet. Uh, there's but no there's way also that you the could... same amount that are in there. Like there's about fifty fifty. If I no, okay, if I I, yes. I very much disagree about this. Well, there is. If... I don't think that we know enough to say for sure that this is a you know clone of Empire Strikes Back. I, I'm let not alone, saying you know, that it even, is. Mm -hmm. Well, that's basically what you is. just said. There are signs that, that points exactly to the fact what that what you, you were making said. a case. If you were a prosecutor, you could make a very good case. You could not to. Yes, you could. No, I think you, could you absolutely not. could. You, we have seen two. Where I'm getting, you're getting me riled up about this again. We have seen two minutes of out of context footage. There is no way you can con draw any kind of conclusion about what this story is going to be about, what we're going to be seeing, whether or not it bears any kind of resemblance to a previous film or not. We couldn't even tell that from you know the trailers for The Force Awakens, and people can make pretty strong cases for that being uh, a copycat of A New Hope. There's no way that you can tell beyond some surface level, uh, you know, recurrences of like a. a 
ATAT type walker and similarities between First Order and Imperial uh, ships, and the fact that Ray is training with Luke kind of like uh, Yoda trained with, uh, sorry, Luke trained with Yoda back in Empire. There's really, you know, weak, weak comparisons that you can make right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you can go ahead and believe that lie, but it's okay. Uh, I just say that when the movie comes out and there's a lot of parallels, it's gonna be hard to swallow. That's what I. That's what I'm. And I'm gonna look at Ryan Johnson and say, "What were you doing?" And I'm reserving the right to slap you in the face when you're wrong. <laughs> It'll be the best moment for the Sorry About the Mess podcast presenting the Jedi steps. Uh-huh. So, all of that being aside, I wish they could take a little bit more radical design with mm-hmm. with his tie. It does look cool. It does, it does really look cool. We haven't seen him in combat, so what this actually seems to imply is that, yeah, there'll be actually some space combat, and that just maybe you'll see him chasing some of our heroes, perhaps. Maybe if, you know, Luke and Rey in this rumored first, second act of the film where they, they throw down with the Knights of Ren and they get off that planet, maybe that's where I mean, Kylo chases them. Maybe through an asteroid field. Huh, what would that remind you of? I'm... I'm being facetious here, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. But I that's what excites me is the fact that if he's in a ship that's not his shuttle, he's probably there to do some combat, and I think that's going to be really cool because we have no idea. Does he have the pilot genes? I mean, he's he's got an uncle who's pretty good. You know, his father was pretty good. you mm-hmm. got to see him show off at some point. Yeah, you never know. We'll have to wait and see what happens exactly. You know, him having uh, a custom tie in this movie indicates to me that we're definitely going to see him um, in action at some point, but you know his skills, you know, still to be seen. Uh, his lightsaber building skills definitely aren't all that great. So if, that, if that's any indication, <laughs> he may not be the best pilot in the world. Um, but you know, yeah, you're right. He does have some good genes as far as that goes. So you know, we'll just have to wait and see. It's uh, several months away, and we'll we'll wait and find out exactly what's going on uh, in the coming months. But, uh, you know, some things that uh, we do know even farther in advance is uh, a couple of small details about Episode 9. Um, now, this is a story that was published by uh, Entertainment Weekly on April 14th. Um, that was, I think, the same weekend as Star Wars Celebration. Um, I We may have talked about this, but there was so much information coming out around that time that uh, we also may have overlooked it. I don't recall discussing it on the show, but um, something I think that would be interesting to bring forward. Um, Essentially, what Kathleen Kennedy said, um, I'll just read the quote directly. Um, Obviously, with Carrie having passed away, it shocked everybody, Um, Kennedy says. As they tried to figure out what that meant for Leia's continuing story, the only option was to leave their original ideas behind. Quote, we pretty much started over, Kennedy adds. Um, You know, it's, it's an interesting thing to note that uh, we are going to be getting a different story than was intended um, necessarily from the beginning. Um, I'm sure that they're going to retain as many elements of the original episode eight script, sorry, episode nine script um, as they can, but, uh, you know, a loss like uh, Carrie Fisher's is definitely kind of leaving everybody uh, in a lurch and trying to figure out what's going on, how best to handle all of that, um, which is only natural. Um, but, you know, kind of kind of interesting to think about that we're going to be getting something different. Um, 
mm-hmm. it's only you yeah. know up to, to complete speculation whether that could be better or worse. We don't even know the story about episode eight, so it's hard to make any kind of judgment calls on uh, the story of episode nine. But um, it's it's kind of a yeah an, an odd thing. Michael, any thoughts on exactly uh, what this means for the franchise and? Uh, how maybe they they may need to be forced to uh, be a little more creative now that uh, one of their key players is uh, out of the picture. I don't know what's more dis- more surprising here in the wake of all these events that they were either so forthcoming with this definitively, or uh, actually of the news itself that they're they're foregoing um, using anyone else to either replace her as an mm-hmm. actress or to digitally recreate her. And I, I am frankly disappointed because I don't think it was necessary. Mm-hmm. If you look at Carrie Fisher, and I can't speak for her family. I can't speak for her. If anyone wants to pretend this is what Carrie Fisher would have wanted, I think they're absolute fools to do that. Uh-huh. Because, like, no one, you, how do you speak for a dead person? I mean, really, how do you really know that? Especially someone no that can. you've never met and you know, yeah. barely know outside um, of some of their work. Now, there are moments in your life that, well, based on this behavior, you can tell that this person is this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were to ask me, do I think that the same person that has her ashes put in a uh, Prozac container, <laughs> um, do do I think that that person thinks so much of themselves that they would never want anyone else to, to play their character? I'd have a hard time saying, well, no, they, they, they're too prideful. They, they think they're themselves is too important. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have a very hard time believing that. But I, I can't say that for certain. I'm not even going to pretend to. So for me, there's no reason why they couldn't other than the fact that they don't know how. And that's the biggest thing because I'm like, yeah, how, how do we move on? How do we do it? It's going to be controversial each way. The, the family from a legality standpoint, clearly doesn't want her to be recreated. That I absolutely understand. I've always been in favor of recasting because the the character of Princess Leia was much bigger than Carrie Fisher, and I don't know if she said that verbatim in her life, but she but she had so much respect for the role that, at least for me, it would point to the fact that she'd want the character to live on without her, but I have no way of ever definitively stating that I can't speak for her. So for me, it's disappointing because yeah, it seems like she'll be addressed in the um, Star Wars. What is it? What's the what is the animated shorts called? Oh, uh, Forces of Destiny. I don't know that yeah. they're really gonna focus on, you know, her her fate in those because that's coming out this July. Well, she's you know, right. The character is I, I, I don't think so either. But mm-hmm. she'll live on in novels and all. I'm like, oh, absolutely. They, how do you address it in Episode Nine? If they said they had to rearrange and, and change the entire story, you know, they've been when it was unplanned. Like, yeah. I don't get it. You know, they've been very cagey about that, and rightly so. I mean, like, that's a couple of years in the future. But um, they did say they had to start from scratch, and that kind of leaves us uh, in just a very highly speculative mode. Um, yeah. You know, I think we're right to infer that this means that they're not going to recast this part because, you know, why would they need to start over if they were just going to give the role to somebody else? Um, you know, yeah. they came out, you know... Gosh, maybe a couple of weeks after her death, maybe even sooner than that, um, saying that they had no plans to digitally recreate her, um, which, again, makes sense, you know, kind of out of a sense of reverence. Um, it, it makes sense also. Uh, that would be a 
a massive undertaking. I mean, you know, they recreated uh, Leia briefly for The Force Awakens, not sorry, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, um, and Peter Cushing's uh, Tarkin for Rogue One. Both of those were, you know, minor parts, some far more minor than others. Um, but, you know, recreating uh, all of Leia's, you know, facial features, re- Carrie Fisher's uh, performances on that kind of scale that uh, they would need to in order to, you know, kind of make that work would be a massive undertaking and probably, you know, blow the budget of the, the film way out of the water. For sure. Um, That's a very good point. So it, it may not have been the fact that, you know, they felt that they couldn't do it without Carrie, that it could have just been simply... Uh, we don't want to recast because we don't think that, that would be the right choice um, to honor her. We don't want to, uh, you know, digitally recreate her because that would be far more expensive than we could possibly hope to, to do with the budget that they've been given. So, uh, you know, cutting her out of the, the movie and starting from scratch, essentially, may be really the only option. Um but, you know, uh, this kind of gives me a little bit of hope that Luke will play uh, a very major role in Episode Nine um, as well. I would hope so anyways. You know, For sure. maybe we'll look back on this in uh, eight months and say, boy, how did we not catch that Luke was going to die in this movie? Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, kind of interesting to note. Um It'll be a, a, a big point of speculation for the next several months to try to figure out, okay, how are they going to do this thing without her? Where is the story going to go from there? I'm sure we'll learn more as time goes on. But, you know, just wanted to make sure everyone was alerted to the fact that um, they are not going to be recasting this role. They are just going to be, you know, starting over and forging forward as best that they can. And to uh, kind of wrap up the show this week, we have uh, one little bit of news that's uh, actually more of a leak, really. Uh, this is coming from a uh, Spanish site, I believe, that uh, I think it's called Prensa Imperial. Um, mm-hmm. I could be pronouncing that incorrectly. I don't know. Um, but uh, they they released an image of uh, an aerial shot of uh, the set for Han Solo today. Um, we you know we've been reporting that uh, they were going to be filming on the island of uh, Fuerteventura for uh, several months now, I want to say. Uh, but filming appears to be uh, getting into full swing. Um, and uh, now we have an aerial shot taken by a drone of uh, one of the sets. Um, you can find this, uh, you know, online. Um, but the, the aerial shot, you know, taken from a far distance, kind of grainy, not the best quality, um, so you can't really see any details on the ground. What we do know is this is a desert environment. We're looking at a very, you know, sandy area, dunes possibly nearby, um, and a lot of small uh, installations um, scattered about. Looks kind of like, in my mind, um, Nima Outpost from The Force Awakens, you know, the small... Jakku uh, sparse village that they had uh, there so um, you know not a whole lot to glean from this factually but you know again opening up speculation uh, I can draw the comparisons definitely to Nima Outpost so I and uh, we learned in one of the aftermath books I believe it was Empire's End that uh, Han had been to Jakku 
uh, one time prior to you know being involved in the Battle of Jakku. Uh, so it's possible, in my mind, who knows how probable, but uh, it's possible that we could see a return to Jakku in the Han Solo film. Um, Michael, any thoughts on you know seeing another desert environment in a Star Wars movie and the possibility of this being either Tatooine or Jakku that we're returning to? Yeah, the first thing I thought, I went, man, like that looks a lot like Jakku. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. The, you know, I first, first, I, I, I think this is that I think a lot of people thought in this Fourth of Ventura um, shoot was going to be Corellia. Uh, mm-hmm. Clearly, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. I mean, we don't really if, know what Corellia looks like, so it could possibly exactly. Be that's that, the but, you that's know. the thing is that can Corellia really be really be mm-hmm. another desert planet? <laughs> like really, it was just a it was like a just a temperate climate in the extended universe. So and, and the and the legends canon, it was a temperate world with forests and trees and mm-hmm. lakes and rivers. And, you know, it looks a lot like uh, Michigan. So, it, <laughs> for for us to see, like, well, that's kind of weird if that's going to be Corellia, but that's that's preconceived notions and expectations that we had prior. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll say this: that do I think it's Tatooine or Jakku? I think it would be Tatooine if anything. That's what we said when we were leading just, up to the Force Awakens, and you know, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> but they just. By the way, there's no reason given why Jakku is Jakku like mm-hmm. it's one of the dumbest decisions I've I've ever seen in Star Wars to be yeah. honest with you like not yet because there, it doesn't serve its own purpose you could have had an Imperial and uh, you could have had a First Order you know resistance battle over Tatooine it's kind of an important planet in mm-hmm. the Star Wars universe as is so why couldn't you have a battle over it um, there's no distinction between Jakku and Tatooine other than the battle mm-hmm that that's really that's really it. There's not like a geographical difference. I mean, I guess you could say there are two, not two suns on Jakku. Yeah, if you want to get that technical. Yeah. But there isn't like an outstanding feature. But maybe they just didn't, they wanted a different desert planet to to raise their hero on instead of mm-hmm. oh hey look at the girl's gonna be right on Tatooine. Maybe, maybe that was the reason why the writers came up with the fact that okay we can't make this like a complete copycat of <laughs> episode four. So at least can we make a new new desert planet? So for this. I'd actually want it to be Tatooine because that makes sense for Han Solo. Mm-hmm. It does considering, like, why was he on Mos Eisley? Like, it seemed like he knew the place pretty well. Like, was he there in the past? Was he? Is that where he got the Falcon for the mm-hmm. first time? We don't know. Like, I mean, obviously he's been time. working with Jabba for an indeterminate amount of time. Oh, um, yes. So, you know, it's possible that we could see him uh, pop up there at some point. Um, but, yeah, you know, again, just total speculation about this whole thing. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have a feeling that um, as far as Jakku goes, that they're going to, you know, tell us something about that in the future as to why Ray was there specifically. Um, but, you know, that may be a few years off in the future and it could end up being kind of, you know, uh, considered a retcon just to explain, uh, you know, why uh, things panned out the way that they did. Um, but, you know, that's... Gives you know, them a few years to come up with a reason why. <laughs> Could be. Maybe they already have one. Who knows? Um, we'll just have to kind of wait and see what the explanation is if we ever get one. Um, but, you know, that pretty much wraps things up for us this week. Uh, not a whole lot of news, a little bit. Uh, but, you know, 
just a, enough to kind of sprinkle in there and keep us talking one week more. Uh, so, Michael, thank you for coming back and uh, breaking down everything we uh, could find this week for speculating with me, chatting, and having uh, just a, a good time overall. Yeah, of course, buddy. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, you know, sometimes you can go a little bit uh, or a long ways with just a little bit of information. And some mm-hmm. of the stuff, like you said, all point to speculation. It is fun to speculate. Um, so even though on the surface it's like, I don't have a lot of good news, but I'm telling you that episode eight is so much on the horizon and the fact that now we only make the transition that only a few months after that do we get the Han Solo like that's really cool and I think that's what makes this news so much exciting that we're less than a year away from seeing two Star Wars films that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool it is pretty neat I think that uh what is it in once we get the release of episode eight uh we're gonna be what is it 17 months away from seeing three star wars films um yeah you know that that's never happened before may never happen again um because we get a december a may and then another may if i'm thinking about this correctly but it's you know it's yeah. some absurdly short period of time which is pretty fantastic certainly good to be alive and to be a star wars fan so mm-hmm. to thank you again pal for uh, to you i mean seriously for hosting this putting together the new stories uh, you're our own aggregator here on the Jedi Steps, and you do a pretty good job at it. So yeah. Thank you so much for the content. Well, no problem. You know, we we made a concerted effort this week to kind of tighten things up a little bit. We know we can be kind of rambly sometimes, uh, but you know the the <laughs> the small amount of news helped uh, this week. So I uh, I think that we're we're doing a pretty good job coming in about 45 minutes. But anyways, thank you all so much for tuning in this week. We will see you hear you talk to you next week on the jedi steps for so my name is uh stefan bell and i am michael crable thank you guys for your continued support and if you haven't had a chance to check out episode 39 of the sorry about the mess podcast please go ahead and take a look at our run through all of the marvel films since 2008 that was a very fun podcast that's up there even if you don't regularly listen if you're a huge superhero fan i encourage you to check that out that's up on our channel now thank you so much again and may the force be with you Hey everyone, it's Gizzard Davis. Thank you for listening to the Sorry About the Mess production of The Jedi Steps. Stefan and Michael greatly appreciate your support. You can listen to them each and every week wherever fine podcasts are posted. If you ever feel led to leave them feedback or ask a question, you can email them at satmpodcast at gmail.com. Find them on Twitter and Facebook simply by searching Sorry About the Mess. And for everyone here at SATM, may the force be with you.